0: But there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field, he clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flare out towards shallow right, that's big trouble. Albies going back, he dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzie Albies. Swanson is headed for three, he'll try for an inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate, he'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road the Number Two Atlanta. Now hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves Farm System and Braves Prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me for my work over on TalkingChop.com, where I have been, uh, I guess, an integral part of the leadership team since 2015 in varying capacities, including the minor league editor since 2015 and the deputy site manager since 2018. Joining me as often to do a special mailbag episode of Road to Atlanta is you can follow him over on Twitter at BravesMILB.com. One Garrett Spain. Garrett, how are you, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, getting prepared. I'm gonna run down to, gonna run up to Rome
2: this weekend to check out, you know, Grissom and Harris for the first time this year. I actually haven't been up to Rome at all this year, which isn't normal for me, but I'm excited about that for the last weekend of the year. Just kind of getting wrapped up on the season. It's gone by way too fast. Well, I mean, we saw more AAA to go, but
1: yeah, for the main uh, bulk of our stuff. Yeah, I guess that is kind of the. Yeah, that's kind of the big news, right? It's like, you know, pretty much after this coming week, I mean, the bulk of the minor league season's done. We still have, Gwinnett's gonna go on for another two weeks after this week. Uh, and we'll also have, uh, the Mississippi Raves have a playoff run, uh, which, you know, will be interesting to see how that, how that covers because, you know, we love the pitching staff, the offense. If it shows up, they could make a deep run. If not, well, maybe not so much. So, uh, overall, like, you know, it's been a really fun season. I will say that I'm a bit, I'm a bit tired. Uh, mainly, I mean, I think part of it is just because since we didn't have a minor league season, like kind of being get back into the grind has been a little bit tougher. Uh, also coming off like a, uh, the 2020 season on the major league level where my responsibilities were uh just, again, more on the major league side and we we're having to do the podcast every day for a really deep playoff run. And I still I'm kind of like intimate. You know, I say I say intimately involved. Our, our boss, Chris Willis, kind of handles most of the stuff on the major league side. But, you know, I help out here and there and things like that. It's been a long season. So it's going to be nice to at least have something off my plate, I'll say. But overall, like, you know, uh, this that feeling doesn't last very long, like a, a couple of weeks into the off season for minor league baseball. I'm always like, OK, I, I need minor league baseball back. So, you know, it, it'll be good to get a, a certain amount of rest from the minor league stuff. Uh, and again, we'll still be doing coverage. We'll still be doing recaps uh, until the last week, last, last minor league games done. But, you know, it will be nice to kind of not be quite as intense as when you have to recap every single game, every single day, uh, with the notable exception of Mondays when we record this podcast. But overall, like again, it's just it will certainly be missed uh just it'll be nice to have something off the play, especially if the Braves actually can finish off and make a playoff run uh at the major league level as well. So it's just kind of nice to have something to kind of have a little bit of time to you know recover a bit, but that's kind of the big news of the week. uh We did have one promotion uh, again, for those who aren't aware, normally what we do is that we break down the minor league levels level by level. We go triple A, double A, it's the high A and single A, but, th- or low A rather. But this particular podcast, what we're doing is we're doing a bit of a mailbag, which is going to be a grab bag of all different types of topics. Uh, there are going to be, there's going to be a, certainly a, a strong minor league focus, but some people have like, you know, like those, you know, who's going to be, you know, in the minor league, you know, the outfield for the major leagues from the minors, you know, in 2022, 2023, stuff like that. But mo- generally, there's a very strong minor league focus to that, but it's a big grab bag of all sorts of different questions. Uh, from folks, and we're going to take those one by one. Again, in no particular order or, you know, organization or anything like that. But before we get to that, uh Garrett, we did have one promotion down in the minor leagues, uh, a slightly surprising one, but, you know, we don't necessarily mind a guy being challenged in his draft year. Talk to us a little bit about Garrett, the Dylan Dodd's promotion.
2: Yeah, uh he definitely was pushed up to Rome. I was thinking that, I mean, I had said it, like, literally two days before it happened. I was like, he'll probably finish out the year. I think I said it on the podcast, because I could probably finish out the year at Augusta. And then he might get like one game at Rome. He They went ahead and pushed him up. And, uh you know, he looked – he was definitely overwhelming hitter, low-way hitters at that point. Um But it's definitely a quick promotion. I mean, normally guys, even top guys, don't get to high in their first year. I mean, they haven't put Cusick up there yet. So it's an aggressive guy push for an older player he was a senior sign um he did not look very good in his first start we're gonna kind of excuse that a little bit because it was his first start at a level they were playing in Asheville which is a bandbox box of a park and they uh and you know it's his draft year he kind of had a long layoff he's been rusty overall even his good starts weren't fan like fantastic all the time so ooh, his first start, he gave up four home runs and like eight runs in two innings or something. It was either two or three innings. It wasn't a very good start, but other than that, I mean, he's looked, he's gotten better. He got better in each of his starts in Augusta. He had a hiccup here and hopefully this next start, he'll, I think he's probably going to start Friday. Hope, either Thursday or Friday. Hopefully that one will be a better start than this one. He'll actually be at home this time and not in Nashville, which is a very, which is definitely a positive in that regard. And I, I like, Overall, we've gotten a good feel for his stuff, a better feel than we had for, before. So I think on our side, we kind of feel confident with him and like whatever he does this year, draft year stuff, you can't look at into it too much. So, you know, I, I'm, I think it says a lot about how they feel about him that they are willing to push him so quickly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we actually heard after the fact once he was uh, when he was drafted that you know it seemed like that Dodd was a hot commodity coming out of the draft. Like you know he was like one of the top senior sign guys. I mean like the you know the, when you when you have the guy, the kid out of uh, Arkansas who's kind of like the you know like the darling of the college world series, and you know everyone was kind of talking about him as a senior sign as like kind of like one of the deals of the draft. It sounded like that if the Braves didn't pick Dodd where they picked him, that like he was going to be gone within a couple picks. And again, that speaks a lot to, you know, kind of where the, not only where the Braves thought about where just like, like the league kind of thought of him overall. So it was, again, nice to see that he, you know, is both in the organization and had looked pretty good, I'll say, down in Augusta. I wouldn't say he would look like particularly awesome. He was certainly missing some bats, but he was also kind of, you know, had some r- more rougher starts here and there some of those numbers that he put up in Augusta were aided by a what I will consider a less than optimal bullpen uh and you know if there were inherited runners later late in starts they were pretty much guaranteed to be put uh, to cross home plate uh unfortunately this start uh, that he made for Rome in his debut there did not go well 3 innings 9 hits 8 earned runs Four home runs in again a bandbox of a park in, in Asheville. That's a that's a place where a lot of home runs go out. And uh, but with six strikeouts, so I guess we, he has that going for him. Still striking out a pair of batters per inning. In your first, in your first, in your draft year, you'll, you're going to have some rough starts here and there. That was unfortunately a rough one for him. Hopefully he can get, he can get things, you know, back under wraps for his final start of the year, but overall nothing we're super concerned about. Uh, still a really interesting pitch mix guy who, like, for a senior sign is a lot more upside than I, we certainly normally see those types of senior sign types. So, uh, overall just, you know, again, not, not the best start, but hopefully he can kind of get back, back on track for this, uh, last one. So let's get into the mailbag sort because we have a whole range of questions. I was like kind of just like perusing through those while you were talking a little bit about Dodd, we're kind of all over the place on this uh, on this mailbag. And uh, I'm kind of here for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the first question is pretty indicative of that. Uh Basically, we got a bit of a random grab bag of players that are kind of on the periphery of our top 30. I would say some are, you know, some are in and some are on the outside looking in here. But uh, the question is, if any. Which of these players has the best chance to be a top ten prospect in the system? And the players that were chosen were Caden Morton, Adam Shoemaker, Stephen Paulini, Tyler Collins, and Brandal Mosquita. Uh, I have pretty strong thoughts about who I think it is, but I'm gonna go ahead and tee you up first.
2: I, uh, I think, I think for sure for me, Morton, Paulini, Mosquita are kind of guys that could get there, but eventually are kind of long shots. So for me, it's between Shoemaker and Collins. And based on what Collins has done this year, I mean, it's clearly him. I mean, A, I think we prefer hitters over pitchers just because pitchers are, at every level, pitchers are, can be fragile and tend to explode quickly. So Collins is definitely the guy there for me. I like Shoemaker a lot. Um, He's one of those guys that, after the draft, I dug into him, and I liked a lot what I saw out of him. But right now, I mean, it's definitely Collins. He's killing the ball down in there. I think he's, you know, got the athleticism we want to see. He's a guy that's going to stick up the middle, play hopefully play good defense. We haven't gotten to see his defense yet. Hopefully he plays good defense. He has the athleticism to do so. And as long as he keeps hitting, I mean, he's on his way there. I'm not going to say that, you know – I'm not going to say that he's definitely going to be there one day, but he's definitely, he's got a better chance than most guys that you see of getting to that point.
1: Yeah. You focused on the two guys that I did too. I mean, like, look, I have nothing against Morton or me. I, mean, I, I I still have quiet hopes for Stephen Paolini uh, down the road, still a very raw prospect. And, you know, just again, really, really like a tough year, particularly the first half of the season was just really, really bad. Um, and Mosquito is just not a guy that I think is necessarily in that conversation, but, um, but, with shoemaker and Collins are two guys that have a lot of upside um in shoemaker's case, I think that the issue I have with him potentially being a top ten guy is that he's so raw right now that it's hard to project that for him. I'm not saying he couldn't get there, but I am a little bit I'm a little bit more wary in his particular case. I think that there's real upside there and like if he ended up as like a ninth overall prospect in a few years in the in the system and with the, with that fastball already where it is right now. Uh, and you know, he develops those secondaries, the breaking ball continues to improve that. I, I wouldn't be shocked by that. Like, you know, a big framed kid, like seeing a guy like that th- with those kind of physical attributes develop, wouldn't be super surprising to me, but there's also a lot of risk with that. But in Collins case, he just has, like, he he's crazy fast, a ton of athleticism. We're hearing that he's hitting the ball hard down there. You know, I'm not, again, I'm he's certainly racking out some extra base hits here and there, but you know, how much of that is just him being so fast that, you know, like these guys down there in the Florida Coast League, they just aren't getting the balls quick enough to really prevent him from just, you know, taking extra bases at will. And how much of that is that he's putting balls like they're true doubles, they're true triples, triples, things like that. So I'm very curious to see where he ends up in a couple of years. But in terms of like that overall package and, you know, you combine that with just, you know, he gets that higher boat, he got that higher bonus pool on day two. He's a guy, a kid that the Braves really kind of I mean, on draft night, he was like, the, the the comp that was put on him was like a young Kenny Lofton, which is really high praise. Really, really, really high praise. Um, and again, see if that hit tool continues to develop, see if he can keep, continue to show that. If he continues to show the hit tool with that speed, and you know, showing some patience at the plate, like, he'll be a top 10 prospect very quickly. But, again, with prep bats, there's a little there's there's certainly a bit of risk there, but I think there's slightly risk, less risk, or at least there's a greater probability that that turns into a top ten guy in the system as opposed to Shoemaker, whereas the other three guys are lagging behind, and I think it's a pretty good bet. Uh, now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, instead of talking about guys who are really raw and we don't know a ton about quite yet, uh, we have a question about a guy that we have certainly been covering for a long time now, uh, and that is, will you elaborate on the year Drew Waters is having and what do you expect him to be as a Brave? And then he says, thanks, and you're welcome. So, uh, Garrett, talk to me a little bit about your – I know that you've been kind of talking a lot about Drew Waters. You've written about him. Kind of where are you at with him right now? This is –
2: he's been – like he's been always been streaky, but this year in particular, it's like he'll go two or three games and be really good, and then he'll go like a week and be absolutely dreadful. I think. I think a lot – one, I think a lot of his performance was – He's had some nagging injuries here and there. I do think that that's hurt his performance. Um, But I think it's really a transitional year for him. It's kind of been a transitional year for him in every aspect of his game. He's kind of learning to rein in, be more selective about when he is Drew Waters, just that really outrageously aggressive player. And so you're seeing him kind of adjust to how he approaches the game on the base fast, adjust how he plays center field, and kind of work on his approach at the plate and so i think it has it's been a bad year for him overall um there have been good moments he had a great july uh he started to strike out a lot less towards the end of the year he's kind of had again periods where he doesn't strike out a lot periods where he does so it's overall not been a good year but it's not been one of those years where you say like this has significantly impacted his stock going forward. I think it's just, it's a learning process for him. And even though he was, he is at AAA, I think he's more raw than most AAA players, just in that he got pushed up very quickly and he's always had those approach issues. Um, there were things that I wanted to see out of him that he didn't do in terms of his power coming in more, his, you know, cutting back on the strikeouts. There are things that he did do that I wanted him to do in terms of getting more efficient on the base pass, playing, making fewer mistakes defensively, drawing more walks. So it's kind of, it's been a mixed bag. Um, as for what I expect him to be as a brave, an average to above average starter. I mean, there's definitely potential to be far more than that. And there is definitely potential to be far less than that. But right now I think the center bet is, you know, a two to two and a half win player. And If he can cut back on the strikeouts or add a little bit more pop out of that raw power, he could be way more than that. But right now, I think kind of expecting to be an average player is just, you know, what you gotta see, which is not an insult on saying that a guy is gonna be average is never an insult on a guy. That's being an average MLB player means that you're a really, really, really good baseball player. And so I, I like Drew a lot, but it's he's kind of had his ish weaknesses exposed a lot this year which you expected from more experienced pitchers
1: so i i have personally downgraded drew uh, i expect to have him a, at least a couple spots lower on my prospect list once we do our preseason list obviously we have to kind of get more information uh, about like kind of the guys that are ranked around him before i can kind of make that decision fully but I, my problem is that he strikes me as a hitter as a guy who doesn't know what kind of hitter he wants to be and seems confused as to what he should be doing on a at-bat to at-bat basis. Uh, it seems like the, you know, like one at-bat he's like, you know, be desperately trying to draw a walk and is, you know, only gearing towards contact. And as a result, like a lot lot softer contact when he puts the ball in play and he's just not unable to kind of do anything or there's times where he wants to be super aggressive and is, like, trying to kill the baseball. And you know, every once in a while that works out, but more often than not, you know, those are those kind of those three and four strikeout games that we see from him. Uh, he has made some – you know, the, the walk rate has certainly been, been nice. And he's had some, like, good games here and there. But it just – it seems to me he just doesn't know what he wants to be as a hitter. And that's problematic when you have both – he's young and he's – it's, it's – Kind of something we forget about that as a switch hitter, like that's just a, a greater am- amount of workload and like kind of how you're having to see pitches and getting used to getting used to like how your body moves and things like that. Just there's more work to getting your swing where you wanting it want it to be and being consistent when you are a switch hitter. Because you just have two different swings that you're but you're working on and combine that with like you know some like it seems like there's some issues with like just kind of his general approach uh there's some i think there's some pitch recognition issues he can he can look really bad on pitches that are like kind of down and in if like he just guesses the speed wrong he'll get so you'll see some of the worst swings in minor league baseball uh if he thinks it's fastball and it's off speed like the it's it's not like a oh he barely swung through that or he just didn't quite time that up i mean he won't even be close so i'm Just not sure what to make of him because again, I still love the physical attributes, and I think that you know he has a track record of hitting all the way up to AAA, and this this year has been bad. The point that you made about the injuries is a good one. Um, We don't we don't really know how much that has impacted him. He's like missed time here and there for for stretches, and like he he seems like they're giving him days off fairly regularly. And is that just to have him work on stuff, or is that they're trying to manage something that's really bothering him? I don't, I don't have the answer to that question. I just don't. But I do think, I do suspect that maybe there's something else going on there too, which just kind of all adds up to a pretty rough year. And that's unfortunate because again, for a guy with his physical attributes and you know, we like Drew a lot as just as a a human being, he's hilarious. And then as a player, we think he has a lot of potential. But I think you're right. Like in, I'm actually of the opinion right now that I'm not certain he becomes a brave. I think it's more likely that he ends up being a trade piece because there's just, the combination of Christian Pache really kind of figuring things out to play, he's been really good. And, you know, he has kind of a spot as a center fielder that I think he has. A, he certainly is a better defender than, than Drew is in center. And that's not a knock on Drew at all. Drew's a really good defender, but Pache is just special out there. And if it, they feel like that Pache has really made some strides as a hitter, that he's going to get a shot. And in which case, in that case, unless they really think that Ronnie's going to be out for a long time and they really need that extra bat, I'm. And, and then you have other guys coming up behind. You know, Drew, like Michael Harris is an example, you know, maybe they, maybe they could see him as expendable uh, and maybe they don't see the development that they need to see from him and maybe that they think that a change of scenery would be good for him and they can get some real value for him uh, in a trade or something like that. Now we have not seen Alex Antopoulos make a trade of a player of this caliber, uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked at this point if maybe he ends up going elsewhere just because there so there's enough weirdness that makes me think that maybe there's something going on behind the scenes that maybe the Braves don't have as much confidence in him as maybe we do, and I also think that just that combined with just the availability of spots and things like that, you know, there's a lot that goes into that decision, whether or not there's going to be a DH next year, whether or not Marcel Azuna is actually going to be playing the start of the season, and all that stuff. So those are all considerations to be sure, but right now… But the, the answer is I, I certainly think that the season has kind of diminished in my eyes a bit, but there's a lot of reasons why that could be, and some of those could be fairly short-term. Uh, so for the next question, uh, we got to move a little faster, otherwise this is going to be an hour-and-a-half-long podcast, um, is uh, what is your level of concern for Ian Anderson after his last outing? Nine strikeouts helps, but the changeup seems to be a shell of itself right now. What do you think?
2: Uh, I mean, he's coming off a shoulder injury, so it's really, really hard to judge that, right? Um Because even even if you say, "Oh, he's 100% healthy. He's back from the shoulder injury." That never goes. That doesn't go away in a few weeks. Like that's going to be, he's that's going to be something that gets dealt with in the off season. So I don't think that he's 100% healthy. I don't think that anybody is. But definitely a guy coming off a shoulder injury. I don't want to read too much into two or three starts right after a shoulder injury. That's just it's not fair to him. And also he's a guy that's had intermittent issues with grip in the past which can definitely affect a change up um and so especially you know a shoulder injury does significantly affect your ability to grip a ball a lot of times and so when you have a guy coming off of a shoulder injury especially i mean his last start was in um was his last start in colorado or was his last start at home i don't i don't know all the games run together at this point um but you know one of the starts was in colorado which like that's already kind of a tough place to play. Overall, I'm not reading too much into it. I just don't think that he's 100% healthy right now, and I don't think that he's going to be until he gets time off this offseason. It's just just that's how shoulders are. You just have to take the time off.
1: Yeah, so I have a couple thoughts here. One is that he did make a start at Colorado. He also started at home against Miami, which, again, wasn't a bad it wasn't a bad start, but, again, the, the, the changeup wasn't quite as crisp as you'd like it, but I would not – Take anything super negative away from five innings with nine strikeouts. If that makes any sense, that's that we've seen games like that from Ian, where he's he's less than efficient, but he misses a bunch of bats. Um, and again, only really the the one bad pitch was a, a, a truly ill advised one to Jesus Aguilar in that particular bat in that particular bat. But beyond that, I, I think he looked fine. Um, I do wonder if you know he's completely healed up. Uh, it's worth noting that this isn't the first time that Ian's dealt with shoulder uh, issues. Uh, he did have an issue, uh, in Rome, where it's just like, he had some, a certain amount uh, of soreness in his shoulder, so it's certainly worth keeping an eye on. And, you know, again, the points that Garrett made were good ones that he might not be completely healthy. Another thing to consider is, one, it's just rust, you know, like, a change-up is a a, 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 really a feel pitch, and you, you know, when you don't have, you're not maybe, you know, quite back in your groove and things like that, that's one of the pitches that's kind of the hardest to get back, because that's one you have to really have kind of feel for, to kind of get the action that you want and put in the spots that you want to, in you know, based on the matchups and things like that. So, you know, that, that's not that surprising. That'd be a pitch that would struggle. And also something that's worth mentioning too, is that even if he's completely healthy, like he still remembers hurting. And as a result, that might mean maybe his mechanics are a little bit out of whack. And, you know, maybe he's, you know, he's not, <laughs> uncorking things as much as maybe he could because he's just kind of preserve himself or he's just you know again just a little bit of hesitancy and again that's just human nature. There's nothing particularly weird about that, right? It's just and you know I think that the, I thought that the start against Miami was a, a step forward. Whereas in Colorado, I mean, a lot of weird stuff happens in Colorado, especially for a guy like Ian who doesn't have like crazy spin. Uh When you already don't have crazy spin rates and then you're going to that thin area in col thin area in Colorado, you know, weird things can happen, particularly when you're trying to locate your pitches because you think that you're going to get the movement that you think you, you normally do and you don't there it's just that's just a kind of a unknown problem there um so uh, next up uh this is kind of a short and sweet question uh what are the odds that mike marath is the big league pitching coach next year what do you think Garrett? i would bet against it
2: i i don't think that unless something like horrible happens i don't really think that they're going to uh make many coaching changes next year. I, I just don't see it happening. I would like to see it. I just don't expect it.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that one. Um, I, I, I am a big Mike Moroth proponent. I think he needs to be on the big league coaching staff. Uh, if he gets, I don't know if he'll get the major league, like the actual pitching coach position. I think that the struggles that the Braves have had on the pitching side, I don't think that they blame Kranitz for. I think that there is reason to think that maybe they should. Blame Krantz a little bit for it in some respects, and I think that the the effect that – I think that the issue I have is that I think that Marath would just be better. I think he would be an upgrade. I think that he would be able to manage guys start to start and bullpen guys appearance to appearance better than what Krantz does. I think that he'd be better for game planning as well and just like – I just think he'd be better. Um, I just don't know if Snicker feels negatively enough about the work that Krantz has done – uh as well as the front office to especially if the Braves make a, if the Braves go to the playoffs this year and you know put up a pretty decent performance you know with all the injuries they've had i don't think it's likely that they're going to make a lot of changes but i think that one of the reasons that they've been as successful as they have been this year is that guys as they immediately have come back from gwinnett for the most part have performed well uh there's been exceptions to that obviously but largely we it seems like when they go down to Mike Maroth good things happen when they come back it's just that's just how it is, and I, I just think that he'd be better at the job. But I don't necessarily think there's a a great chance that that's what happens, even if that's what I really would like to happen. Um. So for the next question, uh, for left field and center field from 23 to 20, 2023 to 2025, how many position positions seasons uh, out of a six total possible? I'm not sure if the math really checks out on that, but I'll have to look at the next second. Uh, oh, I see, I see. Okay, uh, out of out of total of six possible, do you see the Braves filling internally at a contending level? This is assuming that Azuna is gone, whether that be DH or not playing with the team anymore, um, or and uh, and assuming Acuna in right field. So basically assuming that only Acuna is a lock for those three seasons. right? So that would be of the nine possible seasons. We know that for two of them or for three of them, Acuna is in a spot. So that's six remaining spots. How many do we think that the Braves will fill internally? And how many do we think that maybe they go outside the organization to fill over the next three years, from 2023 to 2025 rather, not next year, I guess. Uh,
2: well, I think that Pache is pretty much a lock
1: for one of those, unless he,
2: unless he just completely falls short of what. I mean, he doesn't even have to be an average hitter to get that spot. Like, as long as he is just playably good in as a hitter, he's getting. He's getting it next year, and he's going to keep it until his contract runs out. I mean, that's just what it is. For the other position, I think we'll see Michael Harris by 2025. 2024 is a little iffy. I mean, he'd be 23 at that point, so it's fairly likely we see him at that point. But it's definitely not a lock. Um, You know, there's some development to his game. But I do think by 2025, he will be there. So that's at least four. 2024... It's probably 50-50 that he's there. You know, Drew Waters has a chance to get that spot. I do think that – I think that in the near future, they're probably going to go externally. I just don't think – like you said earlier, I don't think that they trust Drew enough to just say, this is your job, have fun with it. So I think that more than likely, it's like 50-50 someone's going to be there in 2023, and then again in 2024 – 2025, definitely, I think that they're pretty much going to fill everywhere internally unless one, unless two of the three between Pache, Waters, and Harris flame out, you're probably going to see two of them there. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I see. I, and also want to throw in, you, I would expect, unless he does not do as well as I think, I would, bet in favor of one of those bench positions going to Justin Dean in terms of what he can do defensively. And um, I could see it. Yeah. Um, I, I could see that happening now. I mean, I, that wasn't the question, but I do want to say that, you know, in terms, I don't think that he's, I don't think he's going to be one of the three stars. I don't think that he can hit well enough to do that, but I do think that he'll, he might be another one in terms of throwing another guy in there that could be in the outfield rotation in the future.
1: Yeah, I could see four to five. Uh, that that seems about right. I think that Pache will end up playing center field for a while. Um, he'd have to hit pretty poorly to not like play those three seasons, if that makes any sense. Um, there's certainly a certain amount of skepticism for Waters. Uh, I Obviously, we really like Michael Harris, which puts us kind of in that four to five range. I wouldn't be surprised, as an example, that uh, maybe they move slow with Mike and they sign a guy for like a two-year deal or something like that that will play... Like that that 2023 season, and then maybe if Harris is ready, you know that puts it. He he goes up in 2024, and if he's not, then you know maybe. But and and I'm I'm not gonna project names this far out because frankly I don't know who the free agents are or, or who would even be available for trade things like that, and a lot of things can change with trades and things like that. But overall, my guess. My guess is four to five and, you know, with the usual injury caveats and all that stuff, too. A lot of weird stuff can happen. I mean, I wouldn't have expected that Abraham Almonte and Guillermo Redio would have played as much in the outfield as they did this year. But again, it was a weird year. Uh, And, you know, same thing for goes like, you know, are guys like Adam Duvall going to still be around? Uh, are they going to try to sign a deal with guys like, you know, like a Jock Peterson or a Jorge Soler, you know, guys like that. So, I mean, I don't necessarily think those are super likely, but at the same time, those are all kind of considerations, too. I just do think that like four to five seasons of those six possible that you mentioned with Acuna being a lock, assuming he's healthy for those three. um, That's kind of that's where I'm at, too. Uh for the next question, uh who are some guys this year like CJ Alexander who are close to dropping to the bottom of the list or going off of it into going into next season?
2: Uh the first one that's fairly obvious is Jaseo De la Cruz. He just he just has not been right since the beginning of the year. He just hasn't been very good and, and unless he significantly turns it around, he's not going to be starting next year at all. He is going to be moved to the bullpen immediately. And I, we don't put bullpen guys in our top 30 we just don't so i don't that's yeah, pretty I, rare yeah i would say it's more likely than not that he will not be on the top 30 come midseason next year it's at this point it might even be sketchy that he'll make the preseason list i think he probably will but it will be the back end another guy would be trey harris which we all love coming in this year right we love trey and as a person we adore trey he's great he's one he's a really cool dude we love him to death but he just hasn't hit and until he hits he's going to keep going down that list because that's what's carrying him he is his ability to hit he doesn't have enough power enough defense enough speed to really not hit to his full potential so unless he starts to hit he's going to drop very very quickly because he is an older guy he's either 24 or 25 now he's you know, not the best defender. He's probably going to be stuck in it. He's going to be stuck in a corner outfield spot and he's just not hitting. And that's not a good combination right now, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's not great. Those are two good names. Another one that uh, I think is pretty much a lock to not be on the top 30, which is kind of unfortunate because I, I liked him for kind of having one of the better cutters I've seen uh, in our minor league system is Hayden Deal. Uh, He's been moved to the bullpen, um, which is uh, kind of a, a a less than ringing endorsement, I guess. Of kind of what they think of him as a starter, and you know again, I think that as a reliever, he could be interesting, but he 's not going to be like a lockdown guy, and he certainly hasn 't been that as a reliever so far he 's come in and he 's done pretty well there, and that 's perfectly fine but he 's a guy that I think is not going to be on the top thirty as well so the, like those three names are kind of the the easy answers there um a guy that i 'm kind of like circling and wondering a bit about is Victor vodnik just in terms of staying healthy because uh, I think at some point that he ends up he he it might be likely that he ends up on the ends up on the In the bullpen. And I don't think that he'll fall off preseason. I don't think so. I think there's enough guys on our staff who think that, you know, if he's a starter, he can be really, really good. And that is certainly a reasonable position to take. But I don't. I'm far more skeptical there. And I think that by midseason, especially if he's pitching out of the bullpen, that we might be have to reevaluate where he is just on our list in general. Um, he's a kind of another guy. So maybe not going into next season, but during the season, he's a guy that I could see, you know, falling off the list and things like that. And a lot of the draft year guys, too, is worth mentioning, like the guys that we had kind of in that back end of the top 30 right now, like, you know, the, the Cal Connelly's of the world, you know, all that other stuff. They show up and they just, they don't hit or they can't pitch or they really, really struggle. Like I could see those guys just not, you know, just not being on the list either. So those are kind of guys that we are going to have to kind of evaluate closely. But you know the the names that have been like the usual suspects that have been around for a while. The three that I mentioned are pretty the I think are the three guys who are the most likely to fall. Um. So who the next question is who could be next year's Spencer Strider? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that it's incredibly unlikely that there's just another Spencer Strider next year because he went from unranked to in the top six, Uh, and that's that's a big jump to make and one that we were we had to kind of be careful about a little bit. But overall, you know, I, I don't think it's likely that anybody does. But Garrett, who are some names that you think could make big big jumps next year?
2: Yeah, I mean in terms of a guy jumping like Spencer Strider, I mean the only two that have made jumps that significant were – we saw Ozzy Albies do it and we saw Acuna do it, which Acuna was ranked before he made his jump, so it's not even a fair comparison. It's just very rare to do it, and you know, it's very rare to do that, and so it's like the other two guys that did it were guys that we knew nothing about before they started playing for the Braves, right? Like we knew nothing about them as amateurs, and so – it's hard to predict a guy – it's hard to predict a guy we know nothing about doing really well, right? I mean in terms of guys that are lower-ranked guys or unranked guys that could make it – well, all of them are unranked. Well, one of them might be at the back end of the list. I'll have to check our list. Yeah, Shoemaker we, made it. OK, so Adam Shoemaker I mentioned. I, I put on – my thing is um we don't know enough about him right now to say. So he's a guy that – he has the body to do it. If he comes in throwing harder – He could make a big jump. I think it's very unlikely for him. Roderick Munoz was a guy we loved at the beginning of the year. He has not stayed healthy. He has not been consistent at all. But the fastball is legit there. And so if the secondary stuff takes a step forward, the command takes a step forward, he could make a massive leap up the list. Another one is a guy we've talked about a few times. I think he's made the last two honorable mentions list is William Woods. He is starting with Rome right now. He has a great fastball. The secondary stuff, again, like Munoz, it's got to come. And it isn't there yet. Woods is is probably more similar to Strider in that he is an older guy. And so if he pitches well, they're going to push him. So I don't expect any of these guys to take that step forward. But these are the three guys that if they come in, you know, if Shoemaker adds the velocity and if Woods and Munoz can kind of add secondary pitches, which sounds very simple, but it's very, very hard those guys could make jumps like that, but it's just so hard to predict a guy coming out of nowhere to be a top, you know, six prospect. It just doesn't happen enough.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, and again, like it's it definitely a weird situation too. Like, for example, if you look at like a Spencer Schwellenbach who uh, we, we had as, you know, a fairly high-ranked player is a highly rated draft prospect. Obviously goes under, goes Tommy John surgery. I expect that he'll get downgraded a decent bit on our preseason list. And then let's say that, the timeline – they seem to have a pretty aggressive timeline for his return, and let's say he comes back next year and by the end of the season is, like, shoving and is pitched all of his way to double A's, and maybe we need to reevaluate that. So there's, like, a situation there where that kind of – there's a similar jump, just a different path to get there because he's going to fall down first, um, but overall, like – it's hard to predict a jump like Striders because like the, you, we would never have thought that was going to happen. It's unlikely to happen. Uh, I think based on the amount of information that we have at this point. Uh, again, I could see some like you know IFA guys that we just don't know much about, or guys from the Florida Coast League that we just don't know much about, and they come in and they go through instructs, and all of a sudden they just get a, they just get a year older, a year stronger, and good things start happening. Uh, another guy is like that that could go that could go really in either category for these last two questions. Uh, is uh, Makai Backstrom. I, I don't think that necessarily Makai Backstrom's is a top 30 prospect in the system right now. I don't think he should. I'm, I'm not sure he should be just because we have not seen that output from him. But he's also a guy that, like, let's say that we downgrade him, which probably makes a certain amount of sense, right, based on his production right now. And he's, like, either a back-end top 30 guy or a guy that falls off the list. But then he, like, goes to Augusta and, you know, just mashes I could see a situation where he jump up really high too. So he's at the. That's an, those are those are kind of the names that I look at too. Is the kind of the guys that who could jump even if it's not necessarily a guy that has been completely off our radar. Maybe it's a guy who just bounces back. Because uh, like T- Freddie Tarnock made a pretty big jump this year is another example. Uh, one last question before we go to our break is, and we'll just kind of answer this one pretty quickly: Is are both Pache and Waters locks to finish the year in AAA? This seems this one seems pretty easy. Go ahead, Garrett. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that – well, definitely Waters
2: is going to stay in AAA all year. I mean, I think Pache will definitely finish out the AAA year. I could see him being a guy that they call up for the postseason roster as a defensive replacement. I just – I think that they have so many outfielders. There's no reason to do it, right? Like, unless somebody gets hurt, what's the reason in calling him up? Because you have a guy like Heredia that can play that – when Jock Peterson is in there in the eighth inning, you can say, all right, go play center field and – Let's finish this game out, right? Like, I mean, I would love for Pache to be that guy, but right now, I'd rather have a better bat in heredia. So, I I don't see it. I don't see it happening. But I do see that. I think there's a possibility with Pache that he could be there. Waters is not happening. No chance.
1: Yeah, couldn't agree more. There's 40 man considerations with Waters too. Pache already being on the 40 man roster. If someone gets hurt, I could see Pache getting called back up. But especially if the AAA after the AAA season ends, if something happens, but. Overall, like not a super likely possibility whatsoever. Um, I, I'd say it's very low for Pache and Waters. I just don't think there's any chance at all that he ends up uh, anywhere other than AAA. Uh, before we get to the rest of the questions, we're going to take a quick break to listen to our work from our sponsors.
0: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work
1: All right, Garrett, let's knock out these last few questions. We had a whole lot of great questions uh, this week, by the way, guys. So we really appreciate all these questions uh, and the support for the podcast just in general. We like getting all this engagement from you guys. Uh, so, again, just thanks again for all like the all nice wide range of questions. Uh, and that kind of leads us into, like, this next question, which is uh, always an interesting consideration, is uh, who do you predict will get invited to the Arizona Fall League from the Braves organization? Garrett, what do you, who do you think is going to be in the NFL? I, i'm always terrible at predicting this i pretty much you're really bad. you're really bad at it yeah
2: <laughs> I, I, I went with guys i went with guys that missed time this year so i didn't actually don't have him on my list here but william woods he missed a lot of time he could be a guy that goes um i put freddie tarnock on there because he is a guy that in this stage of his career he missed some time in the season he's been fantastic this year he i could see him as a guy that they put there to see like what do we have going into next year with this guy um I put Drew Waters on there. I don't think it would happen, but, like, I wanted to fill out five names. So I figured, like, maybe they want to see what's going to happen with him. I, I don't see it happening, but I wanted to fill out five names. I put Braden shoemaker on there because he's missed some time, too, this year, and he's kind of had a weird year. Um, I could see them doing that with him I mean, just no, to he, try to
1: – He's basically had one
2: and a half good months. Right, and, and like – and with him, like, they have to decide pretty quickly – whether he is going to be the guy at shortstop, or else that they have to extend Dansby for at least a couple of years, right? Because there's no one after Shoemaker until you get to Grissom, and even he might not stay at shortstop. So they kind of have to figure out what Shoemaker's going to be, and pretty quickly, um, a de- the guy definitely. A couple guys I actually am pretty more confident than not that they would. In the they send relievers a fairly good bit out there, and he is a guy that. Again, you want to see what he's going to do. You want to see him against better competition. He is a guy that could be in the with the Braves next year, right? Like He could be with the Braves next year, so they're going to want to see what he can do. The other guy I put is Drew Campbell. There's always one guy. Every year there's one guy that we're like, what? And that's going to – I mean Campbell missed so much time this year. I could see him being the guy – being an older player. I could see them going with Campbell as the guy there. Again, I'm going to be wrong on everything. I pretty much just listed guys that are not going to make the AFL because I'm so bad at this. So you can pretty much go down this list and say, okay, that guy's not going to be there. That guy's not going to be there. And that guy's not going to be there. But that's, that's my, that's my horrible guess at the AFL
1: guys. Yeah. So I, I have thoughts here and like Garrett made some notes here that I think are good ones. I think that it's more, it's less likely for starting pitchers in general to get invited to the AFL. I just don't think it's particularly likely unless they miss time. So like Tarnock going to the AFL would not be a crazy notion to me. William Woods would not be a crazy notion to me because are guys who have missed time and maybe you want to get them some innings that they weren't able to get this year, right? Uh, but I don't think, like, Spencer is gonna go. I don't see any of the it like, the last couple of classes of, like, you know, the Bryce Elders, the Jared Schusters. Uh, I don't see Ryan Cusick going. I, I think that they're, they, they manage a lot of those, like, the 2021 draft class. They, whatever happens this year. That's it. And then they kind of just go straight to whatever they're going to do for instructs and let them have a full off season of rest before they kind of start entertaining the idea of sending them to the Arizona Fall League. I just don't think that's particularly likely. Like there's an outside chance that someone like Mueller or something like that ends up going. I just don't think that's particularly a great use of his time. Um But, you know, again, something to think about there, uh, like a Nolan Kingham wouldn't be particularly crazy to me. But, you know, again, that's a guy who's pitched a lot of innings this year. Doesn't necessarily I don't see a great need for it. Um Indigo Tiaz, I think is I think might be one of the most likely options is because again they they like to send relievers out there, and they you know he's a guy that could be in the big leagues next year and if that's the case, you give him that those extra innings out there in the AFL, see what he can do and if you start continues to slay guys you you send him into spring competing for a bullpen spot and he might very well just win it on the spot. um you know i, I she makes a possibility I'm again a little bit more skeptical on that end. Uh, I could see Michael Harris getting an invite and going just because I think that, again, for position players, I think that he's kind of a, an interesting piece there. Um, I a player that could very well get invited and go is Shea Langeliers. and the reason for that is that they – like there's just a shortage. Like we saw Joseph Odom get a, a – and this is a, if this is a really callback for a few years ago, uh, Joseph Odom got an invite to the Arizona Fall League and we would have never bet in a million years because he wasn't particularly good, but there's just such a shortage for catchers and if they think that those extra at bats would do Langley or some good, then he'll have, like he'll have a spot available to him. Like he'll get an invite. It's just whether or not they choose to send him or not. Uh, the downside there is that Chase ca- caught a lot of games this year and does the, it, what's the benefit of sending him when he's already at double A and he's doing what he's been doing at double A? I'm not sure what the benefit necessarily is there. Um, another guy who I could see as a guy who could go could be is Jesse Franklin, not because he's missed time this year necessarily, but because – I think that because he played so little over the previous couple of years, they would make a certain amount of sense to at least give him a try out there. But he seems like he's gassed a little bit in this last month, so I'm not sure if that's even a wise choice either. So – Overall, like I think that some of the names that Garrett mentioned, particularly Tarnock and Indigo, are good ones. I think there's zero chance that Drew Campbell gets. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I just don't. I just don't see there's any chance that he gets that he goes. So I guess we can go ahead and pencil him in as on on the AFL roster since both Garrett and I, I think that you know he, he have mentioned him in some capacity. We feel strong feelings about it. uh He he just ends up going because I just don't think that there's any chance that that happens because I don't think he's highly regarded enough. I think that there's you know for those outfield spots, I just don't. I I, th- I just don't think that that's where they the direction they would go. Uh the next question uh, and this is a short and sweet one. Uh what are the odds that we see Indigo Diaz in 2021? Uh you're right this will be quite short. So uh, Garrett you're up. Uh I'm going to be
2: aggressive and say 80%. I like him a lot and I think that he's the next guy
1: like in 20 in 2021. Oh 2021? Oh 0%. He's not coming. They're not bringing him up this year. He'd already be in triple A. I was I was about to say Garrett. <laughs> I thought that said 2022. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 2021 that's not happening. Not happening. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm with you there. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any chance. It would, like, there's the, they even have a guy in Dylan Lee who's pitched well. I mean, I don't think much of him as a, as a relief prospect, but he's pitched well at Quinet, and he hasn't gotten opportunities there. They have guys that are like starting pitching prospects that like that are on the 40 man roster that they could use in the, in the bullpen. I, I get why people want Indigo because he's been, he's been really good. We love Indigo, but it, it's 2022 for him. I, I just think there's, I'm not going to say 0% chance because weird stuff does happen, but it's like single digits for sure, 100%. Um, So the next question, and we've actually touched on him a little bit, but I'll give you a chance to kind of talk to him, talk to you a little bit more about him. Uh What are our thoughts on Tyler Collins? Because they seem to really like his production in the Florida Coast League. What do you think about T- Tyler.
2: I think about what I thought about, you know, I think a little bit, you know, seeing him hit as a professional definitely helps for me. Seeing him hit the ball hard as a professional helps for me. I think it's pretty much the same story that we had coming into the season. You know, don't ever read anything into complex league numbers because they're usually, they're always weird. I like to see him hit, but more it's, you know, the same thing I thought about him. He's going to have a decent bat. He's got a ton of speed and we'll see how the power comes for him. Um, and that's just kind of where I am on him. I mean, he has gone up, but I don't think he has gone up much for me yet until I actually physically see him play. He probably won't go up a ton. And and um, and I think we will see him in Augusta next year. I'm actually a tiny bit surprised we haven't seen him yet. Um, But, you know, I like what he's done. I'm not going to read too much into it, but I don't think that he is – He's definitely hasn't heard us stock. He's helped himself a good bit, but he, he's pretty much just the guy we kind of thought he was going to be.
1: Yeah, uh, we like him a lot. He's really, really fast. Uh It remains to be seen as to – against full season ball, in full season ball, as to whether or not what kind of the production that he's had – down there in the Florida coast, like he's been a product of that tool that he has, or is if the if the, the hit tool is as real as we if we think it could be, uh, and if he's actually driving the ball with the authority? If he's driving the ball with the author- with authority, and you know, able to kind of handle handle opposing pitchers, like he doesn't have to hit the ball over the fence. But if he's hitting the ball hard and put it in the corner, that will play anywhere, and there's a place for guys who can hit. Um and again it's just that patience. we like him. Uh, I imagine he'll go up a couple spots on our rankings, but I don't think there's we're gonna make any crazy adjustments on him or anything like that. Their production's been good. Uh that just kind of but we were already pretty aggressive on him. It's not like he was a guy that we like didn't have ranked at all and he was gonna jump onto a top thirty list. We already had him on there, so uh we like him. Uh we continue to like him. I'm very interested to in see what he looks like in full season ball. Uh so the next one is other than Indigo Diaz, uh, <laughs> who are some interesting relief prospects in the system? Garrett, who are some relievers that you like? Uh, quickly,
2: Troy Bacon's done pretty well. He's hurt right now. He's done well this year. You know, he's not a guy that's going to be like an elite prospect, but he's got a good mix of pitches. He could be a middle relief guy. Brooks Wilson's been really good. I like his stuff. I'm not like that, like hugely high on him, but again, a guy that could be a middle reliever. We mentioned Hayden Deal early, another guy that could be a middle reliever. Trey Riley, I don't like Trey Riley a lot, but He's done well. He has potential. I don't love him a ton. I don't see him as a major league pitcher. But he does have the potential to be a major league reliever. Dicebel Hernandez has fantastic stuff if he can ever do anything with it. Um and Then Justin Yeager has pitched pretty well this year. He's another guy that like he's got a live arm. Command is a question. You know, we don't talk about Jaeger a lot because he's kind of been stuck on Augusta, and honestly, we kind of avoid watching that Augusta bullpen as much as we possibly can. That's uh
1: so bad. Oh
2: <laughs> he's God. been decent this year. You know, the, again, the stuff is good. The command is just really, really bad. So it's a guy that you have to – but I think that they like him somewhat. Like organizationally, I think they like him somewhat. They put him immediately into the closer role at Rome, which kind of – the guys that are in the closer roles are guys that they like. They don't just put guys in that position, so I think that it is a good sign. I think that they somewhat like what they've seen out of him, but again, a command issue with him.
1: Uh, yeah, th- definitely, uh, there are, those are all interesting names. Uh, I'm a little bit lower on Yeager than you, Yeager than you are. Uh, Deal is certainly an interesting name. Tr- Tr- Trey Riley, I think, has a real chance. I think that that's a major league arm. It's just a question of whether or not that command is consistent. Uh, and we've certainly had our hearts broken by Trey a couple times, <laughs> uh, particularly when he was a starter down there at Rome. But, you know, again, Brooks and, you know, again, if guys like, you know, like Vodnik and Woods end up going back to the bullpen, you know, those guys are interesting as well. Uh, another guy that it's easy to forget and he's pitched well since he's gotten back from the injured list, Corbin Klass has looked good, man. Like he's just looked good. Uh, You know, coming back from a, you know, pretty serious shoulder surgery, he's been striking out guys, you know, has had a couple of hiccups here and there in terms of of, of appearances and things like that, but nothing that makes me go, you know, that he is not going to be, you know, a really significant pitching prospect for, uh, on the relief side for the Braves. I imagine he'll be back at Triple A next year. Uh, he might actually, you know, once the minor league season ends, depending on how long Mississippi season goes, I wouldn't be shocked if he like ends up going to Gwinnett and finishes out the season there. He's a, again really interesting arm. I would not be shocked at all if he ends up being a, a good reliever. Love the fastball. Love the movement that he gets. Uh, really knows who he is as a pitcher, is constantly trying to improve. Like it's been a tough couple of years for him just trying to get healthy again off of pretty serious surgery, but overall, like he's another guy that I find to be really interesting as well. Um the next one uh is a fairly a fairly short one, uh and that is is Bryce Elder an M L B starting pitcher? What do you think, Garrett? Do you think that uh Bryce Elder's uh is a major league starting pitcher going forward?
2: I think not only is he a major league starting pitcher, I think he's would be good enough to pitch at the major leagues next year. Now I don't know if he actually will just because there are a ton of pitchers, right? There are a ton of pitchers, but I think he's a guy that legitimately could make the team out of spring training. I mean, I don't, he's never going to be a top of the line guy, but he's a guy that can pitch in the four or five role and fill up a ton of innings give you, you know, solid average performance. I love him. I love Bryce Elder. He's done so well this year. He has a great pitch mix. He's efficient with his pitches. He's a great pitcher. I love, I love see, watching him play. And I think he, of all the pitchers in the minor league system, other than Kyle Mueller, he has by far the biggest chance to be a major league starter.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, I mean, the guy pitches six or seven innings every time he goes out there. The, my question for him, I mean, I, I, we knew that the slider was good. I just didn't know how much, how many bats he was going to miss. And, and like early in the season, I was a little bit like skeptical because there was just a lot of ground balls when he was at Rome. But like all of a sudden he starts missing more bats and just the fastball improves. It's, everything starts improving a bit, a good bit. And he just starts mixing those pitches really well. And then, you know, goes to double A, slays down there in double A and again goes all the way to triple A. You know, it had one start where it wasn't particularly great. But overall, I mean, just like, I, he is genuinely a good pitching prospect. I would not be shocked at all if he's a major league pitcher. Now, there is the question of, like, where are the Braves going to do with all these pitchers at this point, which has basically been the question they've had for the past three seasons now. Uh, is like, what are they going to do with all these guys? Because the, there's only so many spots that you can have for them, especially now that you've extended, uh, at least for next year, you've extended uh, Charlie Morton. And, you know, but what do you, you know, when does Mike Soroka come back? These are good problems to have when you have backup options like a guy like Bryce Elder. Uh, especially a guy that you don't have to necessarily take up a 40 man spot right away with. But I think he's a major league starting caliber pitcher. I think that he's going to get that. He is going to be a topic of many trade conversations. Cause I think that teams are going to think that he's really close to being ready for the major leagues. Um, so I, I, yes, we think he's a major league starter. I think he has a great shot to be there. I think he end up being, I think he end up being as much as a middle of rotation guy. Um, you know, like number one or number two, like that's just such a hard, like you, you don't, it's almost like it's, You don't, you don't believe that someone can, someone can do that until they do it. You know, like you can project stuff all you want. Like, hey, this guy's a 98 mile an hour fastball, uh, and a wipeout slider. You know, like he's, you know, this is a frontline starter and like uh, so many of those guys who just. Like look like they have quote unquote the stuff, just end up flaming out or end up in the bullpen and things like that. So I just it's hard to project it until the people the guys do it. But I could like I could see his ceiling as being a middle of the rotation guy, and I don't feel the least bit bad about it. He's like super efficient. Will give you a bunch of innings, uh good innings, quality innings. He misses bats, doesn't try, doesn't walk a bunch of guys. He's just been really really good. Like point blank, just been really really good. Um, so our next question of of the minor league pitchers who have the best chance. Who, who of the minor league pitchers to have the best chance to become a number one or a number two? Uh, speaking of the question that I was literally just, you know, poo-pooing on, uh, in the last one, uh, Garrett, who are your guys that you think have the best shot to be number one starter types? Uh,
2: to start, I don't, there's nobody in this system, or really in any system that has more than like a five or 10% chance of doing it. It's just so hard to get to that level. Um, some guys, I'm going to start with three guys that are on the lower end of possibility. Ryan Cusick, the, Power pitching is definitely there. I don't know if the command or change-up is going to even ever get close to being that. He has a potential. Muller has a potential. But with him being older, not really having a change-up, the command is eh. You know, he could be – no- I could see him fitting as a number two. I do think the boat has sailed on being a number one. But he could be a number two. Uh SCs, if the stuff ticks forward a little bit or – you know, he has such great command. Even at this stage, you know, guys with great command like that, it's – you know, more li- they're more likely to get to that level. Again, he's a guy I can see being a number two, not necessarily a number one, but he's a guy I can see getting to that level of number two. The two that are easily have the highest potential are Freddie Tarnock and Spencer Strider. Um, I actually, in this regard, and go- in terms of being a number one starter, and going to favor Tarnock over Strider, even though I have Strider as the better prospect. Um, Tarnock doesn't have quite the injury history in terms of having a Tommy John surgery. He has a bigger body, a more a what should be a more durable body? He's lanky, so you don't really ever, I mean, pitchers you never really know. I do, but both of them are very similar. They have great fastballs. Strider's fastball is better. They have great curveballs. So they're kind of about even there. They have, both have changeups. We see more of change changeup, and I prefer change changeup, but both of them have fantastic changeups. Again, both of them is, it's going to be a question of command. I think Strider has better fastball command now, even though it does come and go. I think Tarnock has more athleticism, so you can see him developing better command. Again, neither are particularly likely to get there, but I do think that those – I think that those two are clearly the top of the crop in terms of future potential. They are the two that you look
1: at. Yeah, I think you mean you named the right guys. In q 6 case, I'm, I am more – in the, I think he ends up as a bullpen arm, uh, right now, just cause I've, but again, like, and I, I'm trying to temper as much, as best I can, what a guy looks like in his draft year after a, a college season and a layoff and kind of getting used to a role and all that stuff and moving around. Uh, but I, I am, I am a little bit concerned that he ends up as a bullpen guy, but you know, with that kind of stuff, I mean, when you, when you're, when you have a fastball that can run up above a hundred, like you, that a guy, a guy has a chance if he is doing that. Uh, I like Muller and FCs quite a bit. Uh, Tarnock and Strider is an interesting case. I think that's, I, I think I'm on the other end of the side of the coin there. I think that Strider has a better chance of being a one or a two just because I think that the fastball is so good. Uh, it's worth re- remembering that he has not pitched this many innings in like many years. And like this is like the version of him we're seeing him right now at Mississippi is probably the, is probably very gassed in a lot of ways. He's thrown a bunch of pitches, uh, and he's, Still, like he has these, these stretches where he's just completely dominant and overpowers guys. And I think that if he was like fully kind of conditioned for a full season, which is just impossible to do until you, you know, continue to lengthen yourself out. And after an injury, it's just it's just a tough thing to do. And he is a power pitcher, so he needs all that he needs all the energy to generate all that spin to make that power breaking ball work, to you know get everything and to get the spin that he wants on that fastball to get the rise that he wants out of it. But I think that like next year he could be really, really something to watch because he gets a full off season just to kind of get conditioned, rest, but as well as rest, kind of, you know, get, get completely healthy in terms of not, not like anything wrong with his arm right now, but just kind of let his body kind of get back to a, a good, healthy place. He can condition himself and then work his way up and then go through it, go into full season ball. He has a chance to have a really special season next year because I'm telling you, a well rested and like fully geared up Spencer Strider. I think could very easily end up as the best pitching prospect in the system at the very least, Uh, if not, you know, making some noise elsewhere. He's already, like, among the leaders in the minor leagues of, you know, trying to strikeouts per nine already. And, you know, this is kind of the version of him that's supposed to be rusty and supposed to be tired right now. So I think he could be really special. Um, So a couple more questions before we let everyone go. Uh, This one should be relatively short. Uh, Where does Vaughn Grissom stick defensively? Garrett, where do you think he ends up?
2: I will say that it won't take a ton. As long as he hits, they may end up just giving him a chance to shortstop, right? Because he is athletic enough to pay, play the position. And if he hits, you can cover up defensive liability in some form. I think ultimately, I think, I mean, it's going to depend on what they do with Dansby, what Shoemaker does, what they, where, if they, if, keep Riley at third base or what they do there I think ultimately he's probably most likely to be kind of a a utility guy in the terms of like a Ben Zobrist utility guy where you know and, and again this is like high level projections because we don't know what he's gonna hit right I mean he's still super young but like if he plays to his potential offensively he's going to be maybe not as good as Ben Zobrist but a guy that is going to play a lot of everywhere because he does they're already setting up for that because they're playing him all around the infield already and he's a guy that you know i mean it is a question if this team actually knows how to rest infielders because it doesn't seem like they do but if they ever figure it
1: out they sure don't, they, they sure he, don't. if they, they ever figure it out, out game.
2: he has the athleticism to play all the positions of the infield he's played them all at a decent level this year i think he's been better defensively than we expected him to be and as long as he hits as long as he hits they will find a spot for him and, and i don't think that I don't think that there's anything wrong with him being like Martin Prado where you can put him anywhere and feel like, okay, you're going to get decent play out of him. He's not going to be a gold glover, but he's going to do his job.
1: Yeah, uh, I think he ends up as a shortstop just because of how the Braves have kind of done things. They just seem to kind of stick guys in the spot. But I I kind of hope that you're right uh, in a lot of ways is that they can kind of move him around. Like I wouldn't be shocked if like Vaughn moves like and starts getting like appearances in the outfield next year right like it just wouldn't be that weird like like you said if he continues to hit it doesn't really matter like he's not so special defensively as an infielder he, he look there's nothing about him as an infielder that is like a big red flag or anything like that you wonder a little bit about the arm strength and arm accuracy at short but it's nothing like that's super concerning uh you wonder if he's going to grow a little bit maybe he grows out of short and he ends up having to go to third uh, or or second or something like that like he just might not be he might not have that sign of that loose athleticism to stick there long term but I think that he, I think it, it's close enough where I, I'm, I am comfortable saying he ends up as a shortstop. But again, this is the guy that I think that as long as he keeps hitting, like you know, again, just put him in the outfields if he does out there. You know, if 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 the glove isn't something that's like, wow, we really need that glove. He's like, you know, shoot super quick actions. You can see him like being a really big asset in turning double plays and you know having really ra- good range one way or the other. Like just keep playing him as long as he's like average anywhere then just let him keep hitting. Let him keep eating at the plate. Uh, and, again, I could see him in a corner. I don't think he could end up as a center fielder or anything like that. But, like, I wouldn't be shocked if he, he – I think he's athletic enough to be a corner guy too. I think he could play all over, and I think that that would serve the Braves well to kind of let him have that versatility. But, you know, I, I think he's a shortstop, but I don't think I'm not, – like not, that's a, a low confidence, you know, that that's where I think that he belongs necessarily. But I think that's where he, they're going to keep playing him until they have a reason to move him around, whether it be positional availability as he moves up or, you know, something like that. Uh One last question, Garrett, and that is Kyle Muller was the only major league debut for the Braves this year, lowest of any franchise. This seems like a major, pre- major shift from previous years. What is your take? Garrett, what is our take on the lack of major league debuts this season? Well, one, there's kind of a
2: gap, right, in the waves of prospects. So there's kind of a gap where I think next year and going forward, you're just going to see a few guys every year that come up. And also this, I mean, there were so many guys like Contreras last year and Alex Jackson that kind of got called up before they were ready. Bryce Wilson was in a, was debatably called up before he was ready. There have been so many guys that they pulled up out of necessity that the guys that normally would be debuting right now when they deserve to debut had already debuted. And so there really was, I mean, there was no one there, right? Like Cole, Kyle Moore was the only guy there. I don't think it's like some sort of like, shift in the organizational philosophy i think they just they had a bunch of pitchers that they felt reasonably confident in and they had a bunch of in, you know position players that they felt confident in and none of the prospects did well enough to push the to push it you know drew waters didn't go out there and kill it uh jaciel de la cruz didn't do all that well you know and so the guys that would have gotten called up just didn't do well enough to earn it and that's all there is
1: yeah, I'm with you. I mean, like, if you go through like the guys who did made debuts last year because of like weird injury stuff and for like really short appearances, you've got Christian Pache, William Contreras, um, Tucker Davidson's another one, you know, and just, you have these guys that again would have normally been like high level debuts and who are rookies that we like this year that we did like, but they had made their technically had made their major league debuts. I don't I don't think that there's any like organizational shift whatsoever. I think that that it's just kind of the, the, the debuts that we saw last year were kind of unique case scenarios and not anything that's like, Oh, well the Braves aren't calling back their young guys. And another thing that calling up their young guys anymore. And another thing to consider is that there's just so many guys on this team that are young guys. I mean, like, you can only call up so many guys. You can't just keep calling them up for nothing. Um, And, you know, like again, Tucker Davidson got his shot. Wascari Noah is another guy who's his day de- didn't debut this year. Uh, But you know, is a guy that was highly regarded as a, you know, as a rookie this year, but he made his debut last He made his debut already. And these are not, that's not indicative of an organizational philosophy. It's just that they've already called up so many young guys between that young core that has just existed on the team over the course of the last couple of years. There's only so many spots to put them. And then after that, you had a bunch of guys who had already debuted last year, even in, like, just, like, again, for a couple games. Like, in Contreras' case, he wasn't up for very long. Pache wasn't up for very long. You know, he played a couple, like, one or two games early on in the last season, and then he played during the playoffs when Ender to- forgot how to play baseball. And then you have, you know, Contreras where there was an injury situation where he had to play a couple games uh, when like both Ajax and Darno were having issues, I think, if the memory serves correctly. So it was just kind of like a weird situation where he got called up. But that's you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, that they changed their philosophy. They seem like they're willing to go with young guys if the situation calls for it. But where they needed the help this year, particularly in the outfield, you know, Pache was both hurt and not playing particularly well. Drew Waters was hurt and and hasn't played particularly well. So they had to go with those, kind of those veteran guys that they had at AAA to fill those spots where they had those openings come up. Because again, when, when starters were getting hurt, we saw Tucker Davidson, we saw Kyle Muller, we've seen guys been getting opportunities in that rotation. Just only one of them is happened to not technically make his major league debut yet. Well, Garrett, that's pretty much all we've got for this week. Well, I want to take a moment to thank all of our listeners. If you could please be so kind as to tell your friends and family about the podcast. If you want them to direct them as to where to get this podcast and never miss an episode, just direct them to the Talking Shop podcast feed, which is on every podcast. Well, I say every. Most podcast purveyors that I'm aware of anyway, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all those. Just search Talking Chop. Not only we get this podcast, which is our minor league podcast that comes out every week, but you also get the flagship Talking shop program hosted by the great Brad Roland, uh, about half the time by myself as well, along with Scott Coleman uh, and guests that come on as well. And you also get the Daily Hammer, which is hosted by the great Sean Coleman, which is kind of your daily update podcast, You know, 15, 20 minutes, just gives you a general idea of what's going on on a day-to-day basis with the Braves. All sorts of podcast pro- content comes out on that stream. More t- of that is to become as well. Uh, I imagine I'm going to be doing some sort of a uh, baseball card collecting type podcast in the relatively new future as we kind of need more things to talk about during the off season. And we're going to certainly keep trying to leverage that podcast stream because you guys have been absolutely killing it with downloading the podcast, telling your friends, spreading the word about it. It's been great. We really appreciate all the support on the podcast. Make sure you're reading the site as well at talkingshop.com as we wind down our minor league season here, uh, as well as, Kind of getting into the offseason, getting into this playoff, but uh, just want to make sure that you're keeping an eye on the site as well. Thanks to Garrett again for coming on to the show, for answer, helping it, helping me answer all these questions. And until next time, we'll see you on the road.
0: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work.